Hey, welcome back to Finding Truth, Episode 17. Today we're going to talk about Marriage Mondays, a new program coming out every Monday. L.A. Mayor fearful of incoming planes of migrants. New York's having a problem as well with that. And what is our correct perspective on immigration? Also, we want to talk to you about a school member, board member in Temecula Valley, who doesn't want you to talk about your religion. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Defining Truth, episode 17. Uh, Should be a short day today, but we have some interesting things to go over. I think you'll find it quite interesting. So today we want to talk about a uh, new segment coming up called Marriage Mondays. That is my wife, Lindsay, and I, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about marriage, which should be fun and interesting and biblical perspective of marriage. What's the full title of the show we're going with? It's Marriage Mondays, but... A sacred union. A sacred union. Love that, because that's exactly what it is. We're going to bring some perspective. Lindsay and I have been married for 15 years, going on more. We have three kids, and uh, we've been all over the place, traveled all over the country because of my previous work, and um, we just want to get on and be real with people and share how God has maintained us and some of the lessons we've learned. And also, and this is probably the most important thing to announce, we want questions from people. So we're going to be posting a link to submit questions on our website, on uh, social media, et cetera. And we'd love to cover questions that anybody has, issues, topics, bring them on. Yeah. And this actually, this uh, segment too, I want to mention, uh, came as a suggestion from some of our followers. Uh, So it's always great to hear feedback. And uh, this will be really great to get a perspective biblically and both from you guys who have uh, 15 plus years of experience uh, being married uh, because today's generation and, and the world today has really uh, kind of torn apart the original biblical intent of marriage and, and what that actually means. So this is something I'm really excited about. Yes, they have. Yes, they have. Uh, also today we're going to talk about uh, some immigration issues that have popped up recently, namely the fact that some very strong, staunch, left-leaning sanctuary cities like Los Angeles uh, today, this week, the L.A. mayor complaining about planefuls of immigrants coming in and how she was fearful of that. Uh, and then we'll skip over to uh, the mayor of New York, who had some similar questions. Oh, no. People seeking sanctuary in a sanctuary city. Imagine that. <clears throat> no, but also we want to bring a correct perspective to this and how, as believers, do we deal with the issue of immigration, what our thought process should be in compassion and love towards people um, while also maintaining uh, you know, a safe border, etc. So we're going to talk about some of those issues. And then uh, Temecula Valley Unified School Board member in the news yet again. This time, uh, this is uh, board member Stephen Schwartz wants you to keep your Christianity to yourself and said as much in a clip we're going to show you. The medicine doesn't taste so great when you have to take it yourself, huh? Hmm. The religion of leftism is okay, but not your Christianity. Anyways, all right, let's kick it off. So, L.A. Mayor, fearful of what she called planefuls of immigrants coming in uh, that might arrive in the city. And uh, people are just rolling her for this. The mayor, if you didn't know, is Karen Bass, who said, and I directly quote here, she is fearful that any day planes will be filled, filled with illegal immigrants will be flown into the city, uh, namely from border states who are under a lot of pressure and have been dealing with... Um, this immigration crisis for a long time, Florida, she mentioned, Texas, et cetera. Um, 
what I find so interesting, and we're going to talk about New York also, <clears throat> is as uh, we often make the case that a lot of leftist policies or ideals don't really match up with reality, right? So for all the sanctuary touting and shouting and screaming about how these border states just need to take it, you know, they, they, this humanitarian crisis, which is developed because of leftist policies, and when threatened with the reality of what mass immigration, I, would, I should say uncontrolled, unsafe immigration, when faced with the reality of what that actually leads to, these liberal mayors just don't know what to do. Um, and, and, and one of the, uh, I guess, incidents that sparked Mayor Bass's comments was um, that Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent, uh, so far, has sent 13 buses of uh, migrants to the L.A. area, which, you know, touts itself as a sanctuary city. Um, 13 buses. <laughs> you know, I read this and I was like, what, what is she, that's what she's so fearful and afraid of? So you're, let me get this straight, right? You think that uh, open borders is the way to go. Anybody who disagrees with you is a racist. And so, there's lots of rhetoric, right, and hateful speech from the left about people wanting to maintain a safe border. And then some buses show up with migrants, and all of a sudden you're full of fear that more of them will come. And I want to ask her, what exactly did you mean by L.A. as a sanctuary city? Of course, the reality of the issue is, is uh, much more than the emotions that you see on these you know, campaigns and that there's housing issues, uh, resources, food, clothing, shelter, etc., benefits. What do you do with people? In New York, probably in an even stronger statement, the, um, the mayor there, Eric Adams, last week said something that you know, really made headlines. And, uh, and I quote, he warned New Yorkers that the city would be destroyed if it didn't get more help to cope with the influx of migrants. He later went on to say that he didn't think there was any actual help in the situation, that there was no end to the migrant crisis. In uh, the New York Times quoted him saying that and said that his statements were provocative. Provocative. Why is, why is anything that's true labeled provocative for for? For these, you know, for our friends on the left here, well, I, I just when it goes against your agenda, I mean, what else are you going to call it? Well, you know what? What they're really saying, and what you see here with uh, the mayor of L.A. and um, Mayor Adams in New York, is that the reality of their words is smacking them in the face, and and this often happens, right? It's like dealing with with children or you know young people in a home where the world is just a fantasy until reality kicks in and you have to pay bills and you have to pay taxes. <laughs> You know, and you realize that things are the way they are for a reason, which you have is to make why sure your house doesn't burn down. I mean, that's what's happening there. They, all of these things sound right. good when you're trying to get elected and then you have to face the consequences of your actions or your promises someday. And if that means that your city's burning down, I mean, we saw the same thing with the mayor of San Francisco. She's totally gone back on a lot of her anti-crime naturally uh, agenda because yeah. it doesn't work, obviously. I mean, well, and there's two it seems to be two responses to these policies, right, and left-leaning policies when they utterly fail, which they do time and time again, it's that one or two things. They either backpedal and realize, hey, we should reverse this, it wasn't a good idea, or they double down and they make it worse, which California is a prime example of. We saw that uh, in regards to crime with AB 109, this mass release of incarcerated individuals to solve the problem of over-incarceration really was about money for them, but they pitched it as a social justice thing. That miserably failed, 
super high amounts of recidivism, meaning people that were released ended up back in jail. Many, many people were victimized. People were even murdered by people who were released. And in their case, this is an example of doubling down. When that didn't work or was proven to be a failure, the same geniuses that thought that up wrote Proposition 47, which passed in 2014 here in California, which just said, well, if we can't you know, release people without having problems, let's just not arrest them in the first place. Prop 47 reduced all hardcore drug charges to tickets. It's not even, you can't book people in jail for fentanyl, you know, dangerous drugs that are killing people. And it also reduced property crime, uh, the dollar value for an arrestable offense, right? Which you can see now down the road, it's been a while since 2014. Now we're reaping the fruits of this labor in that you see this horrible crime sprees, terrible um, uh, violence in the cities, uh, all due to because, you know, we've basically told an entire generation in society that consequences don't matter. Fantasies on the left don't ever really appropriately match with reality. We watched, uh, and, I, and I don't think we have a clip, but we watched video this week, remember, of uh, LAPD yeah. watching a suspect rob a store or was a, was a car dealership. Yeah, he was stealing a car. And uh, the police just have to stand there and watch until they're able to you know, take action past a certain line because this is what these cities are demanding now. So we see this, this, we see cities like Los Angeles devolving into chaos. And I think this is really what's happening here is that the rhetoric and the political agenda behind open borders, they spun these emotional lies for people to vote for them when it comes to immigration without really thinking through, what am I really saying? So let's take a look at that. What are they really saying, right? Oftentimes in law enforcement, we were taught as police officers, deputies, whatever position you're in, that you were to consider the steps that put you in that position in the first place, right? So if you have to, um, let's say you're going to use, you're in a situation where you have to use force with a combative suspect and uh, you're inside a house for whatever reason. Nowadays, the, 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 the common response from you know review boards and people who are looking at your actions is to question, well, what put you in the position that caused you to have to use force in the first place? Did you need to be there? So you see why police now being questioned this way are saying, well, we're just not going to respond. We're not going to put ourselves in that position because then I'll be forced to do something and everybody will critique it and I'll get sued, etc. So when you call them, you know, and it's not above a certain threshold, they're just like, well, good luck, you know. I don't want to get sued. I don't want to touch anybody. So I'm not going to put myself in that position in the first place. But let's take that same sort of line of thinking that's often presented by the left and apply it to immigration. My question is, what put us in this position in the first place? Of course, this is the rational response to safe borders is, and let's be clear, we are not anti-immigration in any way, shape, or form. America was built uh, and founded on many people who immigrated here from various parts of the world, we're all about immigration. But as an adult, as a rational, mature individual, you understand that the world is not just a wonderful candy land. We have safe procedures and laws in place to protect our citizens. That uh, does not mean that you're anti-immigration or you're anti-people coming here. But what you do want to do things is, as a mature, safe, and responsible person, especially if you're in a position like Homeland Security or you're in leadership, such as mayor of a city, which has to be responsible for these decisions. So instead of having an orderly process by which we can bring people in safely, vetted, uh, you know, have a plan, uh, maybe 
plan for a certain amount of people coming in. Where are they going to go? Where are they coming from? What are they doing? Just like if you or I wanted to go visit a country, you, you would expect that you would respect their rules, right? If, if I want to go visit a different country that requires a visa, I would have to apply for one. Can you imagine if I showed up at the airport and just charged the fence and started waving an American flag and protesting? It just doesn't make any sense. But this is far, far worse than just mass amounts of people coming. What the Democrats have done by their perspective on immigration, they've encouraged and condoned and supported mass human trafficking to the southern border and, and the northern border, to be honest. They have facilitated an entire industry of human trafficking by which criminal organizations know for a fact that there's a certain party in the United States that will support what they want to do. They help receive migrants. They, we, we essentially are the middleman where the U.S. government is moving people around internally. We talked about this a few episodes ago, but you know, in my contact inside the Border Patrol, we talked about the south side fee and the north side fee, how human traffickers will charge these families exorbitant amounts of money, many of which they just can't pay. And girls, young girls are, are, are brought into the sex trafficking uh, trade as prostitutes. Young men are forced uh, to work hard labor to pay off their debts. And there's a south side fee. And then once you get here, they wait for the U.S. government to, to get people into the country, move them around, give them free stuff, right? These sanctuary cities like L.A. and New York. And then once they're settled, guess who comes back? The bad guys. They're like, all right, now that the U.S. government has finished like the trafficking portion for my business, you owe me the north side fee. You got to pay your debt or we're going to kill your family, we're going to take your house, etc. Many, many of these people, by the way, just disappear, like minors, young children being trafficked at the border who go off into who knows where. And it is not uncommon to find these alleged safe houses that receive immigrants to be owned and operated by criminal organizations. So my question to Eric Adams or the mayor of L.A. is, as you spout this rhetoric about how anyone who doesn't believe in you know, having open borders is a racist and blah, 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 it's like, well, why don't you think about the position that put us there in the first place? Why don't you secure the border? Why, why isn't that a bipartisan effort here? That's one thing I think that everyone can agree on, that we should have a safe and secure border by which we can allow people entry and actually plan for it. Or, or you we would can, think, but then that stops the money flow. Well, it stops a lot of things, right, which we're not going to go into today, but there's a lot of political motivation behind this mass chaos. It, 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 it creates more of a... Uh, systemic reliance on federal systems, which yeah. is more of a socialist goal on the left, right? Big government is what they're all about. It affects voting, obviously, because in California, they hand out driver's license and IDs like candy to anyone and, and, and everybody, and then they let people vote. So there's obviously an effect there. And if you've ever been to LA, you know that the Democrats are down there in the neighborhoods and the barrios. They're, they're at the ports of entry. They're snatching people up as soon as they come across, making sure, hey, you register as a Democrat. And, you know, yeah, they like to hide behind the whole, like, well, you know, if you're illegal, you can't vote. Nonsense. They do in California. It's well documented because these polling sites are ridiculous. And then, of course, if you try to say, well, why don't we have, you know, like voter ID just to make sure that you're an American if you're voting for American, you know, political leaders and their immediate response is, you're a racist. Just It's like, is that all you have to say? You're a racist because what you, you want someone to be able to identify themselves. And then, of course, there's the perspective that uh, you know, I can speak to from the national security side, which is if, if you and I can sit here and, and easily identify 
you know, safety issues and national security issues in, in the current immigration process or the lack of control on the borders, you better believe that our enemies can as well. And countries with malintent towards Americans like the IRGC out of Iran, like uh, Russian operatives, like uh, Chinese Communist Party operatives, and, and many others, they, they really see the Democrats as a joke because it's like open season. You can walk right across. You can pretend to be anybody. Oftentimes, they'll give you assistance in doing so. It's very manipulative, and it's taking advantage of people who honestly, it seems, I'm sure there's a lot of Democrats who, in their mind, they think that they're doing well, that they're helping people, that they're being benevolent. And really what it is is they're being used. They're being um, targeted. And it's like what uh, the Soviets often referred to as useful idiots. These were Americans that uh, um, supported Soviet goals during the Cold War unknowingly, allegedly. So you have a lot of that going on. And, and, and let me just end with this section with this. The correct perspective on immigration or, or really people who are suffering or people who need help in general is to have compassion and understanding for their suffering. Um, the most logical step in that line of thinking, if you care about people, is to reduce the cause of that suffering. So... I don't pretend to have you know, the, the end-all answer for the border and the immigration. It's a very deep and complicated issue. But we can, we can, at a minimum, start with let's secure the border, right? Let's think of this in terms of your house. If, uh, if your front door is just wide open, right, and you had 1,000 people outside that wanted to get inside, and you have your family inside, right, and so you have limited amount of resources, food, places for people to sleep, is the most loving thing to do just to open the door and be like, hey, have at it. Kill each other, commit crimes, you know, do whatever you can. Anybody gets in, it's, it's whatever. I, I have no, it's just come on into the house and do whatever you want. Or can you also be loving and caring and rational and say, guys, we're going we're gonna to close the door and we're going to have a process for making sure that the people that need to get in, get in, and the people that don't, don't. Um, general concern, one, for your own people and your family and your home. As the government's job is first and foremost to its citizens, you have to protect American citizens. You don't, you, your first obligation is not to foreign entities. We'd like to do that because we like to be beneficial, beneficial and we like to help people, but you have to make sure you're doing it correctly so that you don't end up like Mayor Adams here in New York saying, the city will be destroyed. <laughs> it's like, really? Well, clearly you're not managing things properly. So can we love people? Of course. Can we be understanding and have compassion? Absolutely. We can also make wise decisions in civics and in governance that help deter the cause of the suffering in the first place and encourage people to follow the correct process, to avoid paying coyotes and human traffickers and smugglers, to avoid uh, young women being raped on the way up here by drug cartels. Uh, it's just horrendous to say that, that, that those things don't matter and anybody who suggests they do, you're just a bigot and a racist absolutely ridiculous to even assume that so i'm sure we'll hear more about this because that issue is not going away um before we go to the next one do you do you, what, do you have any thoughts on that i mean any uh anything to add on the immigration issue in general yeah i mean i i, I think you covered it immigration is a complex issue obviously um, you know, but it's not biblical to violate the law to achieve good, right? Caring mm -hmm. for the poor and orphans and widows is uh, something that the Bible commands us to do. 
Uh, you can look at Galatians 2.10 or James 1.27. Uh, but the fact is that we're just because we are to care for these unfortunate doesn't mean that we should violate the law in doing so. So a frustrating law is still a law. Right. Yeah. I you know, I don't agree with most of the gun laws in California. That doesn't mean I get to do with whatever I want. It's you have to respect the law. Well, there's also something to be said for appropriately viewing that in context. You know, your first ministry as a husband, as and I'm speaking to Christians here, is to your family. It's not to someone else's family. Yeah. Right? If if you're not able to take care of your kids and, and feed your family, then why are you trying to go feed someone else's family down the street? Yeah. Now, can you have compassion for people and needs? Of course you can. But it is God who established government. It wasn't man's invention. And government is there for a reason, to rule, to keep people safe, to punish bad doers. That's the purpose of having law and order. So when the government has forsaken its first obligation of taking care of its citizenry, keeping people safe and, and enforcing the law, what's the point? Who, who, you know, who, who are you helping? But again, this is, this is a clear um, example of the of the the culture war raging in, in really in the world right now. It's globalism versus uh, national identity and countries who uh, those many on the left, I would say, not all, but many on the left think that uh, you really shouldn't think of yourselves in, term, in terms of being an American. You're just a global citizen, right? Which changes everything. It changes the way that you view geopolitics. It changes the way you view conflicts and it changes the way you view sovereign borders, yeah, well, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that are, are hurting out there. There's no doubt many people that, uh, you know, want to come to this country legally. They want to come here and work. They want to bring their families here. But when you, you, you can do all of that with a closed border and, and strong border policy. I would go even further and say you can't help anybody unless you yourself are a strong, secure country. Exactly, because when you have open borders, now now you have people who – ultimately take advantage of that, which we've seen in all over the place, right? Human trafficking is huge right now. We saw that in the Sound of Freedom. It's a multi, I don't even remember the number, $50 billion industry just in the United States alone. Uh, so of, yeah. of what we can track and know of. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can be loving to people and, and care for people and take care of people who, who need it, all while having strong border policies and a strong border wall. Like you said, you would even go further than and say, you can't do all of those things until you take care. If your own house is in order, how can not in order? How can you take care of anybody else? You can't. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, unless you have a thriving economy and a successful free market, you're not going to be sending shiploads of uh, medical aid when a tsunami hits Southeast Asia. No, and California is missing a huge opportunity. I mean, they 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 say everything over here to get elected, but the reality is, as we've said it before, California is the fifth largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. Imagine that it, the good that it could do for people who are coming to this country legally, looking for uh, you know to start over and contribute to society. I mean, they're just missing a huge opportunity. Well, imagine what good it could do for its own citizens if San yeah. Francisco and L.A. and these other places weren't mismanaged into destruction. Yeah. They're turning into Gotham City under these leftist policies. What I find so difficult to believe is, you know, for anyone listening who, who may, you know, be a registered Democrat or, or vote more on the left, what is, what is the response? How could you possibly look at these destructive and utter failures and, and think, I need to vote for more Democrats? Yeah, it's wild. It's not loving. It's not caring for people. It's, no, it's not. It's destructive, and we've seen that. But that's because of people like our next uh, topic, Stephen Schwartz, who want nothing to do with uh, Christianity or hearing anything about it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, actually, we have a video. 
so you can hear it straight from the horse's mouth. I believe this was at the last uh, board meeting where they were voting on whether or not to uh, allow just the American flag and the California right. flag. And if you're listening from out of state, this is the Temecula Unified School District board meeting. This is one of the board members, one of the Democrats, I'm assuming, certainly a leftist, um, Stephen Schwartz, who appears, as you'll hear in a moment on this clip, to be very upset about Christians voicing their opinion. Um, so take, take a listen to this. Thing. I really appreciate Thank people's you, right to religion, but I really don't care for people coming in here and preaching at us. That's not how that works. Please keep your religion in your home and your church. When you come here, please talk in terms that are neutral about religion, because to some of us, official, it's really not what we want to hear when we're on the school board. And I do appreciate everyone's comments, whether I agree with nice you or not. I do agree there. with your right to come here and so say what you have to down, say. Right? Thank you. Does he have more to say? One more th oh, thing. Nope, there we go. <laughs> so, I really so appreciate people's... Saying? I don't want to hear your opinion. Let's, let's be clear and frame this correctly, because what he's really talking about is this massive parental rights movement that's sweeping the country. We're seeing it very strongly here in California, where parents are realizing that their children have been indoctrinated by progressive Marxists and, expo and exposed to abhorrent sexual material. And as parents are now finding out, they're resisting, they're fighting back. We have parents running for school board, they're taking over, they're getting rid of this um, horrible, uh, over-sexualized you know, curriculum that they found, books specifically. And here's a guy, right, who's been there for a long time, and he's upset that people are voicing their opinion. And what he's connecting, and this is what I want, that, let's pay attention to this very clearly. He's connecting the Christian Judaic values of the parents who are opposing his progressive Marxism with politics. Let me, let me say that again, just for my Republican friends up in Sacramento can hear this. The left is upset because Christian Judaic values oppose their political agenda. And to the point where here's a school board member who utterly unconstitutionally is saying, I don't want to hear about your beliefs. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. It's like he's, you can almost see him putting his fingers in his ears and ah, I don't want to hear about church. I only want to hear about the church of communism, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And, and we and let's let's be uh, be real with this. Like the left, as we pointed out before, are extremely religious. If, if what, what is religion, if not your dedication to a set of beliefs and values, right? And and uh, he's they are militantly. He is mil he is zealous. Yeah. So what you have is essentially a uh, up until recently unopposed religious, a secular religion, right? A group of zealots who are pushing progressive Marxism, and they don't want to hear opposition. They don't want to hear from these parents. They don't want to hear from Christians. They don't want to hear from people who present classical American values because it's annoying to them, and it's it's basically exactly what they did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we finally uh, kind of woke up, so to speak, and. We started taking their tactics and pushing it back at them, and clearly, uh, you know, he's lost it. Also, I would like to remind Mr. Schwartz that in America, we have freedom of religion. It's not freedom from religion. Yeah. 
It's freedom of, free to express it in every facet of American life, in both public and private. No one in America can tell you that you can't talk about your faith at work, at school, in a public setting, in politics, anywhere. In fact, all of this country was based on that very premise. Americans who came here to freely practice their religion, free of government oppression, which sought to regulate what they could or could not believe. It is what he said is so un-American and antithetical to the American constitutional perspective. It's shocking. And what's perhaps more shocking is how many people will hear that and be like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to talk about religion, right? Separation of church and state. Completely unrealistic and untrue. Well, newsflash for him, like I told you before we started recording, he he might be getting a Bible verse for me in a minute and a half every time there's a school board meeting from here on out. (laughs) You don't want to hear the Bible? Well, guess what, buddy? This is called public comment. You're an elected official. And people are allotted a minute, ninety seconds to speak. And uh, yeah, I mean that's the other. Could thing. Could you imagine if he said that to, to a Muslim? That. Yeah. Could you imagine? Or imagine if you said that to a uh, progressive Marxist. Yeah. Imagine if you're like, excuse me, I only want to hear uh, Christian pro-American perspectives here. Well, yeah. Look at the three other board members. Could you imagine if they were like, we're not going to allow you to have public comment? They don't agree with it, right? All of this pride thing. That's why all of this stuff is coming up. But they still, as a public official and with, uh, in line with the Brown Act, you have to give people the right to public comment. I can't even believe that he said that. I don't know what his, like, was he, he was that irritated at the confrontation. You know what he should do? I have a great idea. He should resign. Well, yeah. He doesn't have to hear it at all. He can go back to his house, and he yeah. doesn't have to hear anybody address the board publicly. It's a great idea. Yeah. We, should, we should send him a note. In other words, what he's saying is you can preach about secular humanism all day. Absolutely. But if you present a different opinion than what the leftists hold, you better keep it to yourself. Right? Um, what, what, what that's really done, this parental acti- activism and organizational response to this overreaching leftist agenda in education, it's really exposed how truly deep the progressive Marxist agenda is in our school system. And, and I would say the larger lesson here, namely for the Republican Party, who is straying away from our values, is that... The, the animosity the left has shown towards Christian Judaic ideals specifically, and more importantly, why the left opposes them, is because that is America. That should be a big clue to the Republican Party. This is like um, you know, knowing your enemy 101. If you're, on a, if you're uh, you know, on a battlefield and your enemy keeps targeting specific key elements of your organization, you might want to stop from a command and control perspective and say, why do they need to destroy that, that structure so much? Maybe it's because your enemies acknowledge that those are key um, pylons, right, holding this structure up. Maybe it's because the left has long acknowledged that the core family and relationship between kids and parents and our faith are key tenets of Western civilization. So if you are a progressive Marxist, a secular humanist, and you want to utterly destroy the American way of life and capitalism— you're going to attack those things. So what the Republican Party should be doing is strengthening our resolve to defend those issues, not acquiescing or ceding ground to the enemy, which is unfortunately what we're seeing in California. So real quick, for those that may not know, the California Republican Party is attempting internally to change their platform, which has long held that marriage between a man and a woman is essential to the core family in the American way of life and also the um, stance, the firm belief that life begins at conception and that we must defend the life of the unborn. The party is moving to change that in their wording, which is just unbelievable to me. We'll we'll, we'll probably do another 
segment we on that some other time. Just on yeah. This, yeah. But obviously, we at Defining Truth are adamantly opposing that. And I have two perspectives on why. And, and Mr. Schwartz here, the progressive Marxist on the school board, really is an indicator, is a perfect example. So two perspectives. One, no one in, in, in the party that claims to represent Reagan and the American way of life should be asking Christians to compromise on their faith. Because first and foremost, we are obedient to God, no king and no tyrant. And, and that's very clear. And second of all, if you don't, which you don't have to, you don't have no, maybe you don't have any belief at all. There are real practical reasons behind these Christian Judaic values that are worth holding on to. You know, no one shows this greater than the example we just gave, than the left's attack of those very core elements of the United States. You would think that that would clue you in to say, hey, maybe America's enemies realized that core family units a mom and a dad both psychologically individually contribute greatly to a young child who then grows up into a strong citizen. There's lots of studies and lots of literature to back this, that that is a key foundational element of a strong country. So if our enemies acknowledged it and said, hey, we, we should attack that because that's, that's something that will weaken them and destroy them, then why is it that the Republican Party can't see that and defend it? Same thing with pro-life. Because when you diminish the value of human life, you move towards a conglomerate perspective, which is big government, small government. If the individual doesn't matter as much, which is what all progressive Marxists and socialists want to tell you, right? they don't believe in God, they don't believe in life after death, they don't believe that there's any real value other than the, the uh, organization as a whole. right? So life matters. The way we define it matters. The way we view the family matters. And, and we've known this for a long time. So I think it's time to pay attention. And, and maybe this is a good time to shout out, you know, our book is coming out pretty soon, self-titled Defining Truth, where I went through every one of these issues and really in-depth described describe the philosophy behind why, as Americans and conservatives, we hold on to certain beliefs. There is a faith element, but there's also a practical, real-world element to defending conservative values because they are what most has worked. And left, leftism in general is what most has failed. So in this book, Defining Truth, which is going to be available for pre-order pretty soon, we explore the issue, whether it's marriage, self-defense, life, purpose, etc. And then we look at what the left, or I should say secular humanists, that's any government that doesn't believe in God or any higher power, what they've done with it throughout history. And then we look at what the Americans did. And we conclude with a call to action and why we should defend those values. Should be an interesting perspective. Um, I think that's about all we have for today. Yeah. I just wanted to say too, by soon, we actually do mean soon now it's going to print. Yeah. We've been saying soon for a while on the book, but, uh, we've overcome the, the, uh, sort of <clears throat> things that have been slowing it down and now it's getting ready to go to print. So it sounds like the last conversation we had with the publisher, hopefully by the second or third week of November, we'll, we'll actually have book in hand. So super exciting about that. And remember, as always, if you like what we're saying, you support our mission of articulating the Christian Judaic worldview in politics, civics, and culture, uh, please consider supporting us. We use that support to do things like print the book. Yeah. Um, none of us at Defining Truth, we are officially a nonprofit organization. Nobody takes a salary, not a dime. But we do have to pay for equipment and production and things like printing books, etc. So um, I, I would uh, greatly appreciate you considering a, a monthly donation, even if it's five bucks. 
goes a long way to help us. And uh, the more we grow this organization, um, the more impact we can have. And you're going to hear more about that because we already are having an impact. We've seen that on social media and in the influence that we have speaking truth into um, key persons, individuals, and movements by way of ensuring that they understand the Christian Judaic perspective. So until next time, guys, uh, give us a follow. Next until time Monday. Monday. Yeah. It's coming soon. Monday for Marriage Mondays yes. with uh, myself and my beautiful wife, Lindsay. That should be fun. So go on, uh, find our link and uh, submit some questions that you might have for marriage. Maybe you're having a hard time, struggle, or maybe you just have a question about biblical marriage. Give us a shout. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>